Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we have no joke for this intro. <laughs> I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading the Pulitzer Prize winning novel The Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead. And Nate, starting with a beer. All right, this beer is called Go Beyond by Finn Beck. It is an India Pale Ale with watermelon, lime, and sea salt, and it is this year's Pride Beer for Pride Month, Finback's Beer for Pride Month, and it is the sequel to last year's beer for Pride Month, just called Beyond. I can't wait for next year when it's Beyonder. <laughs> Go Beyonder? Yeah. Great beyond. Even more Beyonder. This beer's good. It's only a tiny bit of watermelon flavor and lime flavor. It's not like super strong or anything, but uh, I think it's nice. Very nice. Do you taste the salt? No. I... Uh, it's not, it doesn't taste particularly salty. Maybe just like a tiny bit, but it's not like a salty drink. It's not like tomato juice. So what does this have so, to do with the book? Uh, the main character, Elwood, whenever he's doing something or trying at something, he really takes it very seriously and he likes to go beyond just what a normal person would do. True. That is true. He does do that. Mm-hmm. And later, <laughs> he goes to the beyond. Sorry. Uh, Ooh, spoiler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Of. This book, Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead, is a fictionalized account of a thing that really did happen. Yeah. There really was a, basically, a reform school in Florida that really, and when it was closed in around 2010, they really did discover at least 50 graves of kids who had been killed there. I like that Florida now is comparable to the rest of America in the 60s. Yeah, because, like, I mean, it closed in 2010. Obama was president, <laughs> and that school still existed. Yeah. Florida yes, is a, it. let's be honest, it's a terrible place. It is a it is a special place. It's mm-hmm. a place that time forgot. Colson Whitehead did a bunch of like sort of research about what happened at this actual school, which is called the Dozier School for Boys, and then kind of turned it into a novel. So this is clearly not true, but it is based on something that really did happen. So the opening of the book, uh, he tells you this at the end of the book and a little afterward or whatever, but the opening of the book is this prologue thing about the archaeology students finding the graves and trying to figure out, uh, put names to them, the identities to the bodies, which, which is a real thing that happened and is ongoing. And people, and like, and probably no one's doing anything right at the moment uh, during the uh, quarantine times and all that. But in 2019, they were still using um, some sort of radar technology to find more potential bodies, like unmarked graves on the campus. So that's fun. Calls for beer. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, well, let's get a little bit into the story. So All that's right. how the, like the first tenth of the book or something. Sure, is yeah. The so okay, so the main read. the main character who you see most of the time, sort of, is Elwood. Who first he's a child. So anyway, he's black. He's living in the South. He was born. You know, this it's Florida. It's set in the '60s. So like the back early backdrop, 60s. early '60s. Exactly. Backdrop of this is definitely the civil rights movement. And Elwood is, you know definitely going to become was well, going to try to get involved which is a, a different thing but he doesn't quite doesn't quite make it anyway he's very smart he works really hard and then what i meant is he kind of like works hard at everything like one of the earliest scenes in the book is he's only like eight or nine years old and 
he's washing dishes at a local restaurant. Um, you know, he's a kid and he's like, he like races people like, Oh, I'll have a race and we'll, we'll see who can wash the most dishes in this amount of time. And he's really serious about doing a good job. And the other people definitely, um, we're all adults kind of play along and they kind of make a joke out of it. it. You know, they, they let him win and they all kind of smile and grin about it. Because they, they get him to do their work. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> taking advantage of the kid. And then yeah. at one point later, he, there's someone brings, someone comes in and says, I have all these encyclopedias. I'll give these away. Or like, who does anybody want them? And they decide to have a contest in the kitchen uh, just before dinner service of who can wash dishes the fastest. And they like, and Elwood is so excited, you know, cause he loves reading and stuff. And so they, they, they let him win by one dish. Then he takes it home and they're blank. Except it was all one, a practical joke. One, one volume. He has like a to a M <laughs> like he has half of the A's. That's the only real book. Cause it was, um, uh, the box was left in the room probably by like a traveling salesman and he had this demo box and he had one book that he could show like, here's what the the regular book looks like. And then the rest is here's what, you know, the, that'll look like on your shelf or something. Mm-hmm. So he gets really good at, I guess the first half of, of the encyclopedia of a, I should say the first half of a, but he does like, he's go. never like deterred, you know, he's always going to work harder and rise above and, he listens to his only record is a spoken word album by Martin Luther King Jr. that he just listens to on repeat. Martin Luther King did have he, he did have some bops, so it's uh, those speeches slap, as the children say. Yeah, I would say they do. <laughs> Speaking of slapping, I have a good beer. segue. Well, actually, that slapping slapping comes in later. Yeah, that's gonna happen. This book takes place in Florida, <laughs> where it is very hot. And humid, <laughs> and that makes it a hazy state. This is Hazy State from Collective Arts Brewing. This is my uh, continuation of a personal quest to determine if very flavorful dry hop beers need to be highly alcoholic or not. I came close last time, but I was did not find what I was looking for. This is a double dry hopped IPA. It is 4.1%. So this is very low. <laughs> it's basically like a child's drink. It's beer for children. Uh, definitely. But we'll see what it's like. It's pretty good. I'd say it's more flavorable than the last one. Uh, I don't remember what it was. It's still maybe a little, a little watery. But you could have 400 of these and not notice. So, I mean, I, I'm still on the quest. I'm going to say I'm still on the quest. But this is... A step in the right direction because I, I, I don't I still don't understand the connection between needing it to be eight or nine or ten percent to have all the flavor. It doesn't really make sense since they add the hops after. I think the bot the body is just part of the ex- the drinking experience is the uh, the texture of it, and that's a, that the alcohol content is part of that. I guess it could be. Maybe it's just water because it's a low alcohol. Yeah, well, I don't if you know. ever have a non-alcoholic but beer, they really taste. I like it different even like the flavors are similar but like you know even the non-alcoholic beer is like a quarter of a percent alcohol or something like that it it it's like water it is it's a very yeah. different feel in your mouth so i'm told 
So Elwood is doing the right thing and he works at like a stationary store with like the shittiest businessman in Tallahassee who lets the kids steal from him because it's somehow complete convenient. Yes. And if he, and if he constantly shoot them out after catching them stealing, then, then, then they would never come back <laughs> and then he would have a lot less business. I get it. Yeah. He's just accounting um, for breakage. I forgot what the word shit. There was a stupid word for that when I worked in retail. It's like except it's like loss. I don't know what the fuck it is, but yeah, there's there's yeah, a word for loss, like, like loss prevention is like the people who were you know try to keep yeah, things from being stolen. Big companies factor in the fact that I mean retailers, not like like arms dealers, uh, they factor in <laughs> stuff will get stolen, and they account for that in their you know massive charts that don't make sense to human people. This guy's just doing that on a much smaller scale. He's very ahead of his time. He's also letting black people into a store who's also ahead of his time. That's true. Yeah, because he is an Italian man, and they never fail to mention that many times. Mister Macaroni or something—I don't know. <laughs> was, I think it was Marconi. Hey, that's their word. <laughs> pretty close. <laughs> oh boy. So, um, anyway, fast forward. Elwood is going to like his first day of college. No, he he gets um he's in high school still. He's like a junior. But one of the teachers notices that he's uh, actually good at school, unlike many of the kids, and gets him into a program that allows him to take a college class uh, early. So he is he signed up for one class, and he's on his way to college for the first time. So he's he's hitchhiking there because yes. he, he lives with his grandma, and she doesn't have a ton of money. Because his parents very proud of him for no reason when he was a baby. Left in the middle yeah, of the night, they, never said anything. Never spoke to them again. Yep. Didn't seem to be bothered by that either. No. I was kind of like, okay. The grandma, you got the vibe from the grandma that they were shitty. Well, she just basically says, like, the mom was never a good mom. Like, even nursing her, there's like a passage, even when she was nursing her newborn, newborn, she didn't have, like, that. She just, like, was, like, staring off into space. Like, we didn't even appreciate or um, enjoy the fact that she had a baby. Like, you know, it was ridiculous. So she, they, they bounced to California. And uh, he's raised by grandma, and he's hitchhiking. Man, and I saw a beer in the store called Grandma's Boy, and I was like, oh, man, I should get that. But it was like $27, and I'm not going to do that. Fuck. What kind of beer was it? It was like some big-ass, like, weird, wild, sour thing, too. Oh, like a big that. bottle of it. It was like, I'm not going to waste that on myself, and like, or force myself to drink something like that, at least, because it sounded terrible. Yeah, we need a uh, lot more patrons in order to do that. That's true. <laughs> I think even if we had patrons, I wouldn't have done that. Maybe if we were all together still, but if I had it for just myself, I couldn't rationalize that. But if you want to support uh, the podcast, you get over to patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub and, uh, and give us money. Thanks. Uh, and if you uh, do become a patron, uh, you get to help us pick a book once a month by voting in our monthly book poll. Also, early access and bo- other bonus content for patrons. Speaking of patrons, this guy is Elwood's patron in the educational sense, and he's on his <laughs> way to college now. And he hitchhikes, and the guy picks him up, and it's like a, I don't know, I don't remember the car, but essentially uh, they get pulled over, and the guy's like, you don't know me, right? And he's like, no, that's what we're going to tell him, because the guy had stolen the car, and because it's 1963 and there are two black guys in a car that's stolen. It doesn't matter at all 
what Elwood's story is. He gets sent to the reform school for boys. It's not, you know, was not, well, it's not conceivable, clearly, to the judge or whoever that Elwood was, you know, actually a just in the wrong place at the wrong time kind of character. And so he gets sent down to the Nickel Academy or whatever the hell it's called. So it, uh, instead of going to college, he ends up going to this prison, you know, for, for teenagers. Almost called, the same. <laughs> called Nickel. Named after the guy who took over, uh, whose last name was Nickel. But the kids all say it's because their lives ain't worth five cents. And they are yeah. right. Yep. And then they go and... Uh, he gets put in the the it's you know it's still the South in the early sixties. The ref, uh, school is segregated, and the campuses, the buildings, or whatever. And they're in the I forget it's the South side is the North side is the where the black kids are, and they're in their dorm. And Elwood quickly learns that it it is horrific there when he intervenes in a fight in the bathroom. When two bullies are beating up a kid, or it looks like that, and he tries to stop, and then the supervisor dude says, oh, you'll, you'll hear about this later. And by hear about it, he means they will make a, take a visit to the White House, or as the white children called it, the ice cream factory. And I have a, I have a beverage for that. This is from Evil Twin. This is Evil Water Rainbow Sherbet. It is an Imperial Rainbow Sherbet pastry seltzer. That is eight percent alcohol. It's very rainbowy. It looks like um, that gum with the uh, with those zebra on it, like fruit stripe or something like that. Uh, it sounds familiar. Uh, I, I do not know. Fruit stripe, yeah, and it has a zebra on it. Yeah, you guys didn't have shitty candy as children. Right, anyway, it's pretty clear. It is quite delicious for a seltzer. I do get a a bit of a tutti frutti kind of flavor there. Which is what Rainbow Sherbet basically is. Yeah. And, uh, and so anyway, they call the... Um, by the way, Evil Twin is putting out... Or Evil Water, it's the other brand, seems to put out um, a new seltzer or two each week. That's They're really churning them out. Yeah, there's some exotic flavors, like plum cinnamon almond seltzer. Rainbow Sherbet's pretty wild. Uh, I had a mango chili one. I kind of... I, I like seltzer, so they're pretty cool. In my head, I immediately thought you meant like chili, like like beef or bean chili, and that was disgusting. <laughs> but I realize it's not that. Give them time. I mean, they're going to run out of ideas. Nice meat beer. Remember that, uh, like that, uh, that fucking, uh, what was it, that smoked pastrami one we had? That was the uh, Never the speak of that, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> that was on our, our Either God It's Me Market episode. Um, so the, the, the White House is what the, is this, building that you you get warned about you know at one point they're doing some sort of outdoor chore and someone's like don't go and elwood's like do we go mow the lawn over there or something like that and it's like no you don't go there unless they make you go there dude it's like okay and it's where they put on a giant industrial fan to hide the noises of children being beaten to near death or sometimes to actual death i think and for be- actual death they take them out to the trees oh that's true yeah so they beat you they might senseless. die by accident Right, but they don't mean to kill you there. This is this is about discipline and building character. And they have this like I forget what they named it, the whip, the three foot long leather beater that they they taunt the children and they shit talk them and then make them hold on to a uh, 
like a bed rail or something. And if you cry out, you get hit more. And they beat them for, you know, untold sums of time. And Elwood gets beaten until literally he blacks out. Would you call that? Oh, boy. <laughs> I might. <laughs> Would you call that a joke I'm stealing from Mike in a future episode that hasn't come out yet? <laughs> <laughs> Would you call that the ultimate beats? I think I th- well, later a character does get the ultimate beats. Yeah. So, yes. I would say that you could call it that. This is Ultimate Beats by Finn Beck. And a collaboration with Jay Wakefield, who is from Florida. Indeed, this is a double IPA with coconut. Or it really just says double IPA, but it's definitely something tropical in there. And as always, it is very nice. I'm sorry I finished mine, and you can't buy more at this moment. But if it comes out again, I will order... Another 17 cases. Another case. <laughs> uh, it's also Disney explained why they call it the ice cream factory is what the white kids call the beating shack because of the way their bruises look in the days afterwards, that their bruises are all different colors. And that's like different, you know, f- scoops of ice cream, essentially. Kids you know, are fun. The, well, I guess, you know, you got to find a <laughs> light in things. And they have, you know, where your bruise turns from dark purple and blue to that yellow gross green color and i guess i mean i'm no expert on uh how melanin affects bruises but the black kids it apparently doesn't work the same way one of the kids says or like the narrator says so they they just call it the white house and uh elwood is beaten so badly he's in the infirmary for a couple of weeks because they have to like use tweezers to pull the threads of the um the fibers of his jeans out of his his legs where he's been whipped which is uh, apparently, that that was also a real thing that happened at the school. Like kids would be beaten that much that their underwear was like embedded into their skin, which I can't even imagine what I that. Honestly, means. didn't even know that was possible. Yeah, so good times. So then Elwood ends up in the infirmary, and he, you know, you just learn more about how shitty the school is, essentially, or how he, like, uh, he, he, the he, doctor he who only gives his, aspirin. Um, oh, the aspirin boy! But he meets his uh, friend, who is also. You know, fourteen or fifteen, but acts like he's in his late sixties and had just been through this jail shit. His whole he's like the Morgan Freeman. He's the Shawshank Morgan Freeman of this jail. He's Turner, but he's yeah Turner, but he's mm-hmm. fifteen. Well, because he's this is his second tour, he, and he's he's from a um, he wasn't like a good student, like no. uh, well he was a he was a hobo, right? He like just you know slept in barns and roamed the countryside. He's trying to make it on his own. And he eventually, you eventually, he find out his story is like, he threw, like, the second time it was, he was working at the bowling alley. And he initially was, you know, would would be friendly and kind of put on the show of... He was a pin setter. Because they, they didn't have a pin machines setter. back then. But he would, well, they did. But the bar, the, the owner, like, was too cheap or whatever. And so he hired a handful mm. of black kids to go work for, you know, nothing practically running after each frame <laughs> to set the <laughs> pins back, which is nuts. Uh, it, it sounds like, it reminded me of, it reminds me of those kids in um, like tennis who like run and scamper after the one ball every time it hits the net. Or like the kids that work in like uh, textile mills because like, their fingers get in between the, uh, the shuttle thing because they have small hands. Until they get like sucked in and turn into meat pulp. <laughs> yeah, a meat mm-hmm. quilt. Ooh, Meat Quilt. It's a great band name. <laughs> meat Quilt. Is that what, does that mean you know, like take strips of bacon and weave them 
together. Mm. That's exactly what it means. Trademark. (laughs) (laughs) So Turner's been in jail for a while, and he's gone through some shit, and he has gone through (laughs) some social conditioning. (laughs) This is Social Conditioning by Alewife, and it is a New England-style India Pale Ale. It is 8% of alcohol. Alewife also delivers, by the way, gentlemen. Let's see. Oh, do they? They do. Ooh, good uh, lord. Ooh. Might be doing some ordering. There's a funky <laughs> taste in that. Might not be doing some ordering. It's got uh, <laughs> maybe pine? Kind of? I don't know what it is. It's some kind of like, it's not bitter or sour. It's like something in between there. That is unique, whatever that is. I don't know. So I guess you're you're not you're not digging it, huh? The face is not helpful. Uh, it's not bad. It is just it's it's surprising. I don't know what that flavor is, but it jumps out and kicks you in the balls, in the mouth balls. <laughs> That's the name of uh, Meat Quilt's first single. Yes, it is. Kick you in the mouth balls. <laughs> the the flavor lingers like it's 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 keeping going. I don't know. It's interesting. It's good. It is different, and I don't know what the fuck it is, and it does not say what is in this. So, interesting. So then um, Turner gets Elwood hooked up with a sweet gig on... Like, they all have jobs, and they have to like earn points to basically, you know, uh, to get to the, like the... Uh, either you finish your sentence... Or you could get time. You can get off earlier if you if you are like good enough behavior wise, and you get enough merits. And uh, Turner has somehow. You know, they all have a job to do, to earn these as one of the ways. And Turner has gotten the really sweet gig of quote unquote community service, which is to accompany some dude who works at the camp. I forget his name. It doesn't really matter. Uh, say go and sell for the for the uh, prisoner uh, the reform school workers benefit. They sell all the supplies that they were given by the state <laughs> to local businesses yeah, they, instead of using they, them they on the kids. They steal the supplies that the state that the school ordered with school budget with the that the or that the reform school ordered, but then they just go steal it and then they sell it and then the dude gets to keep the money. Yeah, I'm sure, and, and sure, and they pay off. He pays off the other administrators. Oh yeah, they're well. all in on it, right? They're they're all in on everything. Yeah, it's as there is. And they also do. I mean, they also do, like, odd jobs for people, you know, when they're out. And I'm sure, you know, they don't, the Elwood and Turner, <coughs> they don't actually see any of that money. But the, uh, all the administrators are taking some. Yeah, the, I mean, the school is really as, in any way you could imagine an institution being corrupt and broken. It, they check everybody. It's a, it's a child labor prison. With beatings and rape thrown yeah. in for fun. They, they talk about um, older kids, instead of finishing their sentence at the, at the school, they get basically loaned out long-term to people in the area who, you know, basically need a slave. And they just are slaves for that family. They live in the basement or something, and you know, sometimes they die. But... Yeah. And... and- for the, and the way they get away with it, because one, this is, you know, 70, almost, well, not 70, 60 years ago. So, you know, this public sentiment was very different and there's nobody like recording things on their cell phone and such. But 
There's like these are mostly kids that nobody cares about. They're they're they don't have families. Know, criminal children. They're, they don't have families, or the families don't want anything to do with them. No one's going to come so, looking for them if they disappear. Listen, he tried to run. He ran away, and then they go, oh, "Okay, I guess he ran away." Would you say maybe, that maybe sometimes they hoppy over the fence? <laughs> I could say if one could say that, even though actually there is no fence at the at the school. It's a metaphor. They say that there's no fence because the the fear of the beatings keep kids from running away. And they typically. just shoot them. Well, there's that too. Um, so this is uh, Five Burrows Brewing Company Hoppy Lager. It says 6% alcohol lager. And it doesn't really say anything else, but Five Burrows is in Brooklyn. Is this the one you've been to, Jimmy? Uh, I have not, but I have friends that have. I had that one at the wedding. That was the beer for people who didn't want to get blacked out. I didn't have in three beers. <laughs> uh, this is fine, actually. For I was expecting yeah. total ash. It's it's sweat. a very basic, good. straightforward, good, decent, run of the mill. This is a good summer beer. You know, it's the lager gives it a crisper, lighter kind of taste, uh, and the hoppiness balances that out in a nice way. So if you're a fan of IPAs and stuff like that. You can appreciate it. It's bridge beer. Yeah. Yeah, this might be, this is going to be the one to try to convert your MGD drinking friends to drink a... What's MGD? Miller Genuine Draft, dude. Oh, okay. AKA ass sweat. (laughs) Or maybe we think of something else MGD stands for, like mega gross dick. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, no, how about meaty gonad discharge? That's what it tastes like. Oof, that I, you know, it's bad, but I'm not sure it's as bad as a meaty gonad discharge. Uh, and I don't want to dis- I don't want to specify which thin. gonad. <laughs> it's too thin for uh, any discharge. Well, I guess it's not meaty. We need a different, different word than meaty. But this is actually a really good beer. So um, the only reason I have, it, I don't think I took this from your wedding. I think someone left this. At, someone brought this to my house. They're like, you like beers? Yeah. I'm like, thanks. Let's put that in the special spot. <laughs> and it's been it's been sitting it's, in the It's probably one of the, the better like just generic beer flavored beers. Yeah, I don't know anything about Five Burrows Brewing. Maybe we've done them on the one or two beers before. But uh, I, I think we've had the Tiny Juicy IPA. Mm. Okay. I don't know. Sounds it was probably what, better than but this. Oh, no one can know. Yeah, it's pretty good. I I have only had like two or three of their stuff, but they've got a bunch. They're all, they're all decent. So in uh, another thing that goes on at the school, they have like a a boxing ring. Or more like boxing is something that they teach some of the kids or some of the kids do. Mostly what so they're they can actually doing. Right, exactly. <laughs> they're training the kids so that they can send these kids out into to do like live boxing somewhere in the community. I mean, I'm sure underground. But of course... And then there's kind of a long section saying that every match is rigged, like every single one, so that the so that the people who work at the school, and especially the head dudes, can basically bet on who's going to win and win every time. Uh, but one of these students, who's neither Elwood nor Turner, it was one of these really good boxers, and he screws it up. Like he either what did he win too quickly? Or did he forget to take a dive? They have an annual white versus black boxing match for the kids where 
they you get know, the, as you do. the biggest black kid to fight the biggest white kid. Uh, and for the past like 15 years, the black kids have won. But this year, they got like the biggest, dumbest white kid in the world. And they figured, yeah, these kids are going to win. And the guy running the contest tells Griff, the black kid who's going to fight, who is the bully. He was the one that was beating the kid up in the bathroom, I think, wasn't he? That Elwood got into a fight with. Uh, I don't. I don't remember, remember if it was definitely Griff was. Him, Griff was. Uh, uh, he's the. He's a douchebag, but he's a huge kid, and he's a good boxer because you know he just is a big dude, and he can beat the shit out of other small kids or even other large kids. But the guy tell the guy isn't exactly saying take a dive in the third, but he kind of eventually does because Griff is too stupid to understand. Like you gotta go down. Sometimes it doesn't work out, right? It's like yes, sir. That sometimes it doesn't. Like sometimes you have to you know, give up to see the bigger picture. Like, okay. And they're like, dude, go down the third. Like, okay. So they have the fight and Griff, uh, forgets what round they're in, even though it's only three rounds. And he, <laughs> uh, fights the kid and Elwood knows that the match is rigged because someone Turner or he heard that they were, that it was rigged. He heard the guy telling the dude, and they're like, he's going to go down. And then he realized he's not going down. They start to get really kind of afraid because they know if he doesn't go down, they're just going to kill him. And he forgets to go down. And he realizes after it's done that he forgot to go down. He says, I thought it was round two. I thought it, he just lost count, counting to three. Uh, <laughs> and he yeah. is never seen again. They take him out back well, to the trees yeah. and whip him to death. Yep. Oops. So he's he's killed because of that. So there's that, you know, there's that little episode. But then also inter sort of when you get to the second half or maybe the yeah, somewhere around the second half, you get a different point of view uh character, I guess you could say, or at least it so which is a bit later and Elwood has Basically, first he's arrived in New York City. Doesn't it, it? This is where it jumps back and forth in time a bunch of times, and it was a little bit confusing. But basically, he arrives in New York City to start a new life, you know. Uh, and then it's how, like so disgusting and so gross. And then you know it goes back to the boys back in Nickel, and then it goes jumps forward again to where it's uh, Elwood. You think is. Um, He's like building his life in New York City, and he meets a woman and marries her and stuff like that. And and these 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 sections gets business becomes a semi successful, fairly successful uh, businessman. You know, running a moving company. I call him successful. You know, he has employees. Yeah, each, yeah. So, each I mean, definitely is successful. like ten years later than the other one. You get like it's never really clear, but like you know, one is yeah. clearly like the late sixties. Then one is all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, she left. That girlfriend that you've met a little while, she left years ago. And then it's like, oh, when I married, then he's married all of a sudden, but it's, they've been married for a long time. And each time he's more successful, he builds a bigger company, has more employees working for him. At one point, he's like mm-hmm. looking into health plans. So <laughs> if your moving company has health benefits, then you're, you're doing pretty, pretty well in the moving business, I'd imagine. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that, it, it jumps back and forth about that. We'll get back to that at the very end because that has to do with the very end of the book. So uh, then you go back in time again to Nickel where the, the Did you say the you go Nickel back? Would you say that? <laughs> oh, my. You would. 
No. <laughs> I'm waiting for the puns. Go ahead. That was it. Nickelback? That was the pun. That was the that pun. That was the pun. Nickelback. Okay. Dude. I would, are you not going to do a bunch more Nickelback song puns right I now? I can't think of any. <laughs> they're all the I same. I might, but I'm not going to give you what you want right now. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Tell me more of the story. That is how you remind me. <laughs> Look at this photograph. <laughs> yeah, that, that, now I'm done, actually. <laughs> So, uh, Elwood finds out that there's going to be a state inspection. So, this is back at Nickel. Uh, back, <laughs> fucking hell. Uh, returning so, to their childhood at Nickel Academy. Returning to the 1960s Nickel Reform School. Elwood finds out that there's going to be a state inspection, or state inspectors are going to be there. And he decides, because he can't, because he always goes beyond that he has to write a letter. He's, he's also one of the only students at the school that is at all, like, you know, that high school write. or college level reading and writing. Well, they say uh, that the education is a joke. Like, the classes yeah. are, guys are openly sleeping or playing cards. The teachers don't give a fuck. They're all, like, alcoholic dirtbags. And it's, like, first or second grade level, like, reading and he asks the That's guy it. on like day one, like I'm a little more advanced. Can you give me something? And then you never hear of it again. So you get the impression that nothing that they yeah. were like, yeah, fuck you. So he writes a letter about explaining what's really going on at Nickel. And on the day of the in days day of the inspection, he's like trying to figure out how to get it into the hands of the inspectors. Uh, but Turner actually does it. He takes the letter, puts it in a newspaper, and says, "Oh, hi, sir. You said you 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 might want uh, to check out this newspaper," and drops it off. You know, because uh, the academy runs a printing press that the whole state uses to print stuff. It's one of the ways that this this uh, school operates for profit, essentially, or operates to pay for its expenses. That is yeah. child slavery. That's the big one. They so he sends the letter, and then. Elwood. First, Elwood is like, yes, something is finally going to be done about this. And there were, it sounds like there was a little bit of extra scrutiny for a little while, but essentially Nickel gets no, nothing actually changes. And then Elwood realizes how much trouble he's in. And he's just like, I'm just waiting for them to come for me in the night. Well, they put him in solitary confinement. And then they do. After once, once the, uh, administrators of nickel feel that the heat is off that they're that they weren't not under scrutiny so much scrutiny anymore that they they literally grab uh elwood and they put him in solitary confinement for weeks and the only give him a bucket to shit in one meal a day and then occasionally beat the crap out of him and i mean his part of it is because he had this faith in protest and in the civil rights movement and in doing the right thing, justice will prevail. But he is one of those, you know, well, that might be true on the long, what's that, what's that great king quote, like the, the, the arc bends towards justice or something like My, that? The arc of history may be long, but it bends towards justice. So he has that long-term vision, but he kind of neglects or forgets or doesn't notice, doesn't He's know a that. Kid. Along the way, a lot of people suffer for a long time for what happened. What you know, people you know have suffered for those changes to be made. And he, 
I mean, he's he's not claim, claim doesn't claim to be a victim or cry about it, but you know, he he might not have thought about that element of the uh, of his decision since he only had to wait a few months probably to actually age out. You know, yeah, maybe a year. He had been documenting all of the corruption, and that was in the letter. Like he had been writing down, oh, the so and so pharmacy purchased all of the fucking ice cream that the kids are supposed to get. And the only time the kids ever actually get ice cream that isn't in the form of beatings is <laughs> the day of the inspection when they want to pretend that this is the way the school is always run, that they have healthy, good meals. And um, so he's documented all this stuff. But also all the people that have been in cahoots with the school are the people that work at the local government levels or have influence there. So that's why the heat never actually amounted to anything. Yeah. So uh, Elwood is... Uh, put in solitary confinement, and then Turner overhears uh, the uh, overhears some of the administrators saying that of you know the day that they're planning to finally just bring Elwood back out to the trees and kill him. So Turner actually helps Elwood escape. He basically you know finds some different clothing so that they can like not look like they're like they're convicts. Gets him out of solitary confinement, brings him his glasses and says, you know, all right, let's go. And they literally run away from the school. Like, there's no fence, because they never really needed one before. So they literally they run away, and they're, like, running down the road, and they're trying to hide, and they eventually basically get spotted. And the head dude at the school, I forget his name. Spencer was the head. Well, Hardy was, like, the director guy, who you never really see. Spencer was the head ass whooper guy and he like he's chasing them with a shotgun and he shoots and kills elwood but wait elwood's alive and well living in midtown is that what this has to do with jimmy <laughs> actually that is a better connection than i had all right <laughs> he's living in midtown actually he's living in like harlem but he's living in manhattan he's a ghost <laughs> and this is I, I really would hope the camera can capture Ooh. how m- gross a color that is. It looks like old <laughs> it Gatorade. It is bright yellow. It is the color of Mountain Dew. It looks like the Hulk's sweat. It is. <laughs> Oof. This is Midtown Dew from Evil Twin Brewing, New York City. It is a 6% alcohol sour ale brewed with milk sugar and Mountain Dew syrup. Oh, okay. So they're pretty straight up about it. Yeah, I mean, the, if you look at the logo... It's clearly like they've copied the font of yeah. Mountain Dew. Okay. You know, Good so luck. This, this looks, I've had one of these before, but a four pack at the start of the pandemic. It's like, I had to try that and taste extreme. Uh, it's, it tastes exactly like fucking Mountain Dew because it uses Mountain Dew syrup. Kind of overpowers everything else. Yeah. That straight diabetes syrup. <laughs> if you like Mountain Dew. And you like getting drunk. This is this might be the best thing and that's ever been made. Having a Mountain Dew and a beer in separate classes is too much work for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Mountain Dew provides the stuff to rehydrate you from the beer, so it's really just more efficient. It's like a perpetual motion machine of drinking. <laughs> okay, here's the question. Is that actual beer with just some of the Mountain Dew flavoring? Or is it more like those not your father's 
root beer and not your father's things. Whereas, like, that's is that even actually beer? Where it tastes just like the soda, but happens to be alcoholic. This is a beer. I mean, it's a sour. They make they they probably have some sort of you know base sour IPA recipe, or maybe they even dialed it back a little bit to um, make the IPA flavors lighter. Because I really just don't taste anything beerish about this. It, I also don't taste any alcohol. This tastes like Mountain Dew to me. And I had Mountain Dew in some time because, you know, I no longer live in a trailer, but I, I, it's not. <laughs> You're no longer a snowboarder. <laughs> I actually really do like Mountain Dew, uh, but I just don't drink it because if I did, I'd have diabetes for real. You don't need it all them is, toes. <laughs> That'd be extreme. You can get rid of the it little is. ones and get smaller shoes. That would help my snowboarding. So this this tastes like Mountain Dew. So to answer, I'm not sure how that answers your question. Whereas those not your father's drinks and those other hard sodas always kind of taste like mm, this is beer pretending to be Dr Pepper or whatever it is. This just tastes like the Mountain Dew. Now I think that's because they they just unabashedly used Mountain Dew syrup. They didn't try to get it. They yeah. didn't try to like brew Mountain Dew. By using any flavors known it's to man, natural flavors don't exist that come together to make Mountain Dew. Yeah, they, so they're like, they combine they're like, these, these berries and these spices in this ratio, you get Mountain Dew. Like, no, it's it's something else, man. Quite it's artificial. Chernobyl take, juice. Yeah, you take water from <laughs> Chernobyl's reactor, fill it full of caffeine and meth, and then you yeah. get Mountain Dew. <laughs> if you add if you add crack, you get surge. Oh, surge. Remember though it was a um, on how I met your mother like the fake surge it was tantrum. Yes, <laughs> it was like the same. It was like glow in the dark green, and it had been known to make lab mice explode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you like Mountain Dew, and who does love it? You mean people with college diplomas? But no, if they're you, lying. There's <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's like a couple decades of college between the three of us here. I think we could all agree Mountain Dew is actually pretty excellent. Yeah, it's it's fine. I mean, I don't have it. it I don't think fine. I don't remember yeah. last time I've even seen it. I haven't had it in a very long time, but, you know, it's tasty. There are, like, 500 varieties of Mountain Dew these days. Like, just red Mountain Dew, blue Mountain Dew. I don't, they have dumb names like Bastardizations. Live Wire and stuff like that. But Explosive Anus, whatever the other ones are called. <laughs> oh, yeah, so uh, Elwood, in quotes, is living in New York City. And he's alive even at the end, of the, at the start of the book. Uh, and that's the bait and switch kind of thing. Like, oh, you you see his name at the beginning when they talk about the the survivors of the school and their support groups and their because stuff. he doesn't like to go back for the annual reunions. We don't know why at the time. We say it's because he doesn't like yeah. it, but we realize now at the end of the book that it's because he's not Elwood. He is Turner, and he has yeah. a dog yeah, named Pooch. He was. He was <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's. That's a deep Tom Hanks cut. So since Turner was actually a fugitive, it was a couple weeks into him being a fugitive. He was like, somebody asked him his name, so he couldn't give his real one. So he just said, my name is Elwood. And he basically assumed the name Elwood for the rest of his life. He's on a mission from God. Oh, God. The Blues <laughs> Brothers uh, <laughs> reference? <laughs> <laughs> and he, at the end of the book, he goes back to the 
place to to like talk to people at these the meeting or something. To come right? clean. Well, first he tells his wife, who's like, "By the way, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm this guy, but that's not actually my name." Whoops. But you can't. You know what? That's that's a great. That's like one of the few lies your wife can't be mad at you for. You know, she can't be like, "You fucking asshole." You told me you already did those chores. And you're like, no, it's just. <laughs> uh, I thought I thought you said you took the garbage out already, Michael. I mean, I don't know if this is how conversations go with other married people, but she has to be like, all right, yeah, whoa, fucking holy shit, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> she can't. Cool. Yeah. Ooh. All right. So do I still do I call you L or, or, or Turner? Or Hooch. Like <laughs> Turner fucking Hooch. <laughs> Joe versus the volcano, or like we do we pick an entirely different Tom Hanks. That film? lie is big. <laughs> Wilson. Uh, so that's how it ends, and you're just like, whoa, okay. Just sixth sense dust the whole fucking time. He was a he ghost. Was, he was dead the whole dead. time. And uh, I thought I thought that was a good ending. Like I didn't know where it was going to go exactly, and then it was like, oh, he's actually Turner. I was like. I was like, oh, good ending. When it happened, I had, I had to go back and be like, wait, what the fuck? Did I miss something? I must have fucking misread this because I just, yeah, I didn't see it coming at all. No. Oh, because I mean, no, there's probably clues that we just didn't see, but. I don't know if there are. I mean, I read, well, I read it the all only pretty clues, quick, but. The only clues might have been, I'm not even sure they're in there, whereas the elder, you know, Turner in New York City is not like, you know, super ed- educated or have, you know, a college degree or anything like that. But it also, I, I'm not even sure it's even, it's even really mentioned, but they which mentioned would be, him, they mentioned him getting his GED at one point. Yeah. And so that would kind of be at least a little bit of a hint, but at the same time, if you were in prison, if you were black and had come out of prison at that time, it would be very hard to, you know, go to college and do all the kind of stuff like yeah. that. So it's not the kind of thing that would, you would necessarily trigger like, Oh, Something is mysterious here. Like he he didn't have any of the same like, you know, fight for justice in his personality, but I figured, you know, he just got that beaten out of him. And he was on the run to a certain extent. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, he became more uh, I thought he was like more just pragmatic. And, I don't know if there was any any like like real hints that they laid in there. I don't remember any like they didn't give any any identifying information to the older version of him besides, you know, no. what he was doing. And when he met that he met that guy who went to jail, who went to the kid jail with them. And that guy didn't mention it at all, asking for a job. Yeah. yeah. I was that might be a, a some bit of a clue because that guy was looking for a job and and the modern Elwood says fuck that guy. And he rips up the phone number and doesn't call him. And if the the Elwood of the the social, the socially conscious fighting to help better, you know, the world guy might have acted differently in that yeah. circumstance. But, I mean, but the guy didn't say, like, you look different. But also, you know, it's like, it's, again, it's like the sixth sense. I want to go back and reread that scene to see if they ever actually said names, you know? Or it's like, oh, they she might not have actually talked to the I husband. mean, but he's, he's living as Elwood, so. And he knows. But, they the, just, but the guy knows that he has this moving business. But, he, but well, the one thing, he, he never gives him. The business card, right? He's like, oh, going to give him his business card, and that would have his name on it, presumably. Yeah, he doesn't. I don't know. If it, I don't. I have to go back and read if the scene. If it's like it, like, hey, it's you. 
I know, it's, it's me. possible, either way. I also remember you. So uh, that's how it ends. I actually thought the ending of the book was kind of weak. I didn't like how it ended. I thought it just was random. Like, that was not really... There wasn't... Maybe there were... Like, we were talking about where there were clues. It just seemed like a random, sh- like, twist. Like an M. Night Shyamalan film. I guess it was a, a twist. And it, I don't know if it was random, because... You read the whole time, or at least the second half, when they start flashing forward, assuming that Elwood made it out, and you're like, "I'm glad he made it out." And then it turns out, like, "No, I'm just kidding. He didn't. Everything sucks. There is no justice." That's kind of the message, I think. Yeah. Well, or that it it takes a takes a long ass time, and uh, you know the school the school closed, and in the real life, the school only closed after a whole bunch of complaints are made in the last, you know few years of the school's existence that more investigations happened and people realized like oh shit gators didn't eat all those boys in the swamp like they were just they were just murdered real question because i'm sure i don't know if anyone did the audiobook was the half mexican kid was it jaime (laughs) or jamie yeah we didn't talk about the half mexican kid who just went back and forth between the two camps depending on how tan he was decide if he was white or black (laughs) like if he got too tan like time for you to go back up the hill kid but uh, he had the one, like, like that passage with him where, you know, they poison the guard and they make him throw up a lot. Mm. That felt like a weirdly different tone than the rest of the book. Yeah. I mean, I, I so thought it like was, like, this won a Pulitzer Prize. I could see why. I don't, I, I liked it. It was very good. I, yeah. I thought it, this is the one time I've ever felt, like, it felt rushed. The second half felt like it just kind of fell apart and like he just had, I need an ending, slap it on. Like the first half, I mean, I actually really enjoyed the book too and I read about half of it in the second half of it in a sitting. So like, this is, I want to see what happens. And then I was like, oh, this is what's happening. Oh, it's over now. I mean, for for me, like the ending, the ending was fine for me, but like the rest of it, it just felt kind of like, you know, all of our other books that we complain about the length is like, it's, it's bloated. This one felt like it, I could have used a little more about, everything that happened in the jail. Like, there, it was like a series of little episodes, but there weren't that many, and, they, you know, there was a whole prison. You get to know, like, five people, maybe? I don't know. It felt, it felt a little thin in the middle. I was thinking it was going to be a bit more like a One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, where they were going to have to, like, fight the, you know, the leader dudes, the administrators, a little bit more. And they kind of just didn't. You know, it was more about just escaping, you know, because that, that's really what happened. They just escaped. But it wasn't like one flew over the cuckoo's nest where the point was to fight Nurse Ratchet the whole time. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a kid's jail, so it's kind of hard for them to fight. And they can just be killed without, you know, if... Yes. It's, it, it's harder for them. Well, I th- yeah. maybe, maybe to what Jimmy said earlier, that is that is part of the point. Like, there is no... There was no justice at at this place, you know. That's maybe that's what Whitehead's saying. Like this, there really was no justice for those children. There still isn't. I mean, and the real one, no one's right. gotten arrested for anything. No one's going down. Most of them died. Most of the people who perpetrated, who did the real hor- horrific acts, which you you want to assume that as you got closer to the modern day from the nineteen sixties, it got l- less awful. But 
most of the people who did all the really terrible things are dead already. They lived their whole lives in freedom and felt nothing for it. And I think, yeah. and now I'm getting confused if it was the afterward talking about real life or the book where he talks about like one of the guards who's like 95 years old and got a medal from the a community for being so great, you know, but yeah, even after, I forget if that was real life or the book on, at this point, but yeah, that could be. I think it was the book. Yeah, I think that But it, it might was. have also happened in real life too. Yeah. It's probably not far from what actually happened in some case, you know. Which is pretty horrific. So what's funny is uh, Colson Whitehead won the Pulitzer for Underground Railroad uh, a few months before Charlottesville, the Charlottesville protests. And we decided to do our episode on that book because of that, you know. And now, last week, we said, hey, what book do you want to do next week? Oh, let's do Nickel Boys. And then the world has completely come apart since then. Maybe he just needs to stop writing books. I'm going to say I mean, it's really his fault. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's like, dude, you're trying to help, but you're, you're making it worse. <laughs> it's not us. It's not us picking the books. You know, know what a tulpa is? <laughs> a tulpa? No. A tulpa is a... Is that when you put one ball in? No, that's ball? a gulpa. <laughs> a, a tulpa is a Tibetan Buddhist or, you know, shamanistic... Uh, belief. It's a thing that becomes real if you think about it hard enough. If I'm like going to boil it down to the simplest thing, like you can act like I'm going to will this into being through thought. Or if enough people think of something, it becomes real. So by focusing on it, it like manifests itself in the real world. Pretty much. Like you can create a monster or you can create a being. through. Is is this the basis of the secret? (laughs) No, this is the basis of the secret. Also, the basis of Tinkerbell. <laughs> oh yeah, just think happy and thoughts. And the alchemist. The alchemist is Jesus. So maybe Coles, maybe Colson Whitehead is tulpaing all this stuff by writing books, and he's killing us. Or he's not us because we're white. But <laughs> well, his powers were only getting stronger because this book before Underground Railroad was about zombies. Thankfully, that didn't happen. <laughs> if he writes another zombie was, book, we're definitely yes. fucked. He was weak then, <laughs> but he's gotten more powerful. Um, I don't know what else was nominated for the Pulitzer this year. I don't also don't know exactly when they chose. Is another one they only give to one thing. They do, but there's usually. Yeah, uh, but like, do they do a, do they do a short list? There's usually there usually are two or three other. I think it's three other books or two other books that get listed. We but probably I, I don't know what right now. And odds are, I never read them yet. Anyway, yeah. But uh, the reason I bring it up is, I don't know. It, was this the greatest book of the last year, or is this topical? Is it? I think it's timely. It, it is topical. I don't know if yes. it's. I think that's got to be the main reason. It, it's a good book, but it's. I, I don't. I, it was really good, and I think yeah. it was worth reading, even if I thought the ending was weak. But I think is it amazing? I don't, I, no, I don't know. And, and it's, looking it's back an on the Underground topic. Railroad, was kind of weird too. Like Underground Railroad, I still don't understand a hundred percent. I didn't do that one with you guys, but I read it on my own. And I, I didn't know that it was a metaphor for all the ways the slaves, uh, that states dealt with slavery. I, cause I didn't get what the fuck was going on at all. Cause I just didn't know that stuff. Right. But then like the whole magical realism shit of like, they're actually being an underground railroad. And, yeah. Well, I, I, I figured that was actually magic. Not like, Oh man, there right, was but, one. I was right as a kid. Cause when you're a kid, you think it's an actual railroad. 
go freedom train. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not saying like it cheapens the story or the experience of slavery or something, but I don't really know what, why you needed to interject, inject magic into what is clearly a real and not magical thing. I mean, I don't think it takes anything away from it. It's just a, but add something. It's kind of an exploration. It's his own spin on things. And you know, it's, I mean, I didn't know all those metaphors. And if you, if you want to, I learned from it because I did not know that was a thing. All the potential, you know, solutions. I thought this one was better than that because it maybe only because it was less confusing. Yeah, I thought it was better. Also, I agree. I think it's absolutely worth reading, and you can knock it out in a day or two, two days. Yeah, I was concerned it was going to be a long slog because Pulitzer Prize winning books are usually very like heavy literature. They're often you know serious books, which not to say this isn't a serious book, but it's a fast it's a fast read. It's engaging. And um, for such a dark topic, it is an enjoyable read. You know, it wasn't less like, ugh. There were a couple points where I'm like, I need to take a break. But for the most part, you just plow through it. So I guess, are we saying everyone should read it? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Can't hurt you. Um, yeah, it's a bummer. We didn't have nearly enough off-color jokes this episode. I don't know why. It's a mystery. Can't think Perhaps of a reason. we'll never know. <laughs> But you might. Yeah. If you know. Right. Yeah. If you know, <laughs> send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. We already mentioned that Patreon. Why don't you go over there and, you know, give us some money. It's There's all sorts of cool perks and things we do to whore ourselves for you. And if you want to, it would be very nice of you to give us five stars on rating things because we like stars way more than child labor in prisons it really that costs you nothing and that actually helps us a great deal and tell your friends or something i don't know and check out the hopped up network a network of independent beer podcasters and thanks for listening